0: Hello, and welcome to A Smart Financial Plan, where we interview the best and brightest in financial planning research about their studies and the best practices financial planners can use to enhance the financial lives of their clients. Today, we're interviewing Dr. Lertz, who teaches at Columbia, University of Maryland, and Kansas State University, and who has conducted research into the time spent on financial planning by financial planners through assorted software programs. The time spent on financial planning is directly related to the depth that financial planners get into with their clients, but can also be a major determinant of both price and profitability in a financial planning practice. You won't want to miss it. Well, Dr. Lertz, thank you for uh, sitting down with me today. Uh, we're here to, to learn a little bit about some research you did recently. Uh, but first, can you tell us a little bit, bit about yourself, uh, what you do, where you're working, all that?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, so thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Megan Lertz. And uh, my main job is I'm a writer and a researcher uh, for kidsis.com. Uh I'm the one that tends to write a lot about the connection between psychology um, and money, but like we're gonna talk about today. Uh, I also write about uh, some of the research that I do with uh, my counterpart, Dr. Derek Tharp, um, and oftentimes other researchers, uh, and Michael. Um, so I write about that research as well. Um, I'm an educator You know, I work for the University of Maryland University College and their undergraduate CFP program, um, which is not exclusively military, but it's largely uh, military. I'm a military spouse. Um, so I feel that's important to give back to that particular community in the way that I can. Um, and then I teach at Kansas State University and also at Columbia University, uh, working with master students and PhD students uh, at those universities also within uh, CFP board programs. Um, I'm a past president of the Financial Therapy Association and uh, I'm currently living in Europe uh, in the COVID times. Uh, I'm in Spain, and uh, luckily, I've been able to, um, through university connections, uh, connect with some researchers here in Europe, and actually start um, working with some different universities here that, that want to further their CFP programs and bring in that uh, financial psychology uh, piece, you know, continuing a lot of the great work, you know, started by Dr. Brad Klontz, Dr. Sony Luter, Dr. Christy Archuleta, Dr. Grable, you know, just like a few. It's very, I'm very lucky to uh, stand on the shoulders of so many very impressive giants.
0: Well, and, and I'll also say thank you, uh, since we're recording this on both Veterans Day, uh, you're a military spouse, I'm a veteran, uh, so thank you for for both giving back there and then uh, again for for all the research and work that you do. Um, so today I think we're talking about uh, a piece you've done very recently or a study you've completed recently. Uh, what was that called and, and succinctly what was that about?
1: So uh, I wrote a paper uh, with Dr. Derek Tharp, Dr. Kate Militz, uh both uh, graduates of Kansas State University, Dr. Alan Ameren, also a graduate of Kansas State University, and Michael Kitsis, and the name of the paper was Exploring Relationships Between Technology Use and Time Spent in the Financial Planning Process. And this was uh, data collected by myself, uh, Dr. Derek Tharp, and Michael Kitsis through our uh, platform, or through the Kitsis platform. Um, one of the things that's, that's really cool about the work that I do with Michael and with Derek um is that we we endeavor to do research on financial planners. And so um, for this particular paper, you know we were interested in you know knowing whether you know all software promises efficiencies. and so we we wondered, you know how does that translate into financial planning work? you know does does the technology that financial planners use you know make them faster? And so that's what we were we were curious about and we were luckily able to collect the data to do that.
0: Sure, it, it's sort of a, a personal interest for me as well uh, in, the, in the research that I'm doing as part of my own studies. Um, I'm quite interested in, in sort of planning efficacy, right? Does, does planning work? Does it actually re- produce greater or lesser results if you do it differently? And, and I know one of the questions I often have is, does more planning equal better planning or uh, is it sort of that classic hourly problem where the slow reader gets paid more than the fast reader? Uh, so something like software is, is of course valuable, um, you know, as, as a tool for financial planners, but it obviously can probably make a pretty big difference both in how your practice runs and, and everything else. So yeah. so what made that something you guys wanted to look at specifically?
1: Well, there was some prior research that, well, one, you know, again, there isn't a lot of research actually done on financial planners. And one of the few papers that we found that even began to address this topic uh, was done by Thomas, I'm probably going to butcher his last name, but Philippon, and he published in 2016 um, an article that was looking at, he called it the FinTech Opportunity, it's on the National uh, Bureau of Economic Research, the NB, NBER website, so anybody can go look up this paper. He was particularly interested in uh, regulatory changes and how FinTech, you know, could be um, a disruptor, and, and you know what? What he found um, different. He, you know, he didn't have the same data as us or anything like that. But he cut. He often, well, he did um, come to actually similar conclusions that we came to, um, which was sort of interesting. But he, even using um, the different databases and things that he used, but he, like us, you know, sort of thought that it should make people faster, but it didn't seem to uh, look that way. And so, you know, in our paper, we thought about what he had found. But then, you know, again, we, were have, we have a different data set. Um, and so we were investigating. Uh, we had a bunch of hypotheses. But uh, um, to just kind of sum them up, you know, we were interested in sort of data-gathering technology. You know, like does data-gathering technology lower the time spent in the data-gathering phase or even in the data-monitoring phase? You know, afterwards, you know, continuing to collect, to your point, uh, Daniel, information over time and, you know, having to redo a financial plan or, you know, uh, not redo, that makes maybe it sound bad, but not redo a financial plan. But we do financial planning. We do not, you know, necessarily just write a financial plan. And so the rewriting and writing of financial plans to me is inherent in the process. So, um, anyway, the data gathering and the data monitoring phase both, you know, does. Does data gathering data uh, or data gathering technology help with that? Um, we were curious about plan production technology. You know, would that have some sort of relationship with analysis and evaluation? We weren't really sure even what direction that would go. That particular hypothesis didn't have a direction. We just kind of said, you know, like, what is the relationship? Um, same thing. We were we were also curious about plan production technology in relation to. Um, in relation, to, in relation to the relationship and uh, the recommendation uh, of, the, of the plan itself and sort of how that looks. And then we were curious a little bit about just, you know, the different ways that people can present plans and sort of then, you know, what is the relationship between technology and actually plan presentation? You know, are people just kind of like handing out these big reports or you know, is there more stuff going on that could maybe be more um, interactive? So. Sure.
0: Now, you, you said sort of the main hypothesis was, was that planning technology would make it more efficient or, or more yeah. timely. Um, now, did were you trying to account for client involvement in that process, i.e. self-directed data gathering versus passive aggregation, or how were you approaching that?
1: We were kind of asking open-ended questions. You know, a major limitation to this particular paper is just how, how do we measure this stuff? You know, we're curious about it. You know, we came up with some, what we thought (laughs) clever, uh, survey questions. Um, but you know, we weren't talking to the clients, you know, we were just talking to the advisors and, you know, in particular, you know, we were talking to advisors that love Michael Kitsis, you know, so they are perhaps weird in a lovely way, um amongst you know the advisor community as a whole and so you know that that is a limitation you know how we measure these things who we're measuring you know what came into account and so for a lot of these questions about time um we were simply asking for guesses if you will you know from the financial advisors themselves and saying you know how much time do you spend doing this how much time do you spend doing that you know, in a week, what does this look like? Um, and try to get a representation. You know, it would be amazing to be able to, you know, actually follow a firm, you know, for six months and get a true, you know, not only not only what they think they do, but then actually a true reading of what they do. I mean, we know from lots of other psychological research that what people think they do and what people actually do are usually wildly different things, but we got to start somewhere. So, line in the sand.
0: so what were some of the key findings in this study
1: yeah um so maybe okay so kind of going back to what we just talked about with the hypotheses i think that that is maybe an, an easier way to sort of break this down so we found some interesting stuff um and more stuff than just what happened with the hypothesis we also kind of just we were interested in like different demographics um, and sort of understanding like what do the CFPs do in comparison to the non-CFPs? What do people do that are working in a silo, you know, compared to the people working in a solo? So I think it's important to say that for data gathering, our hypothesis that we were, we were thinking that if you have data gathering technology, it should make time spent in data gathering uh, less. Uh, we didn't, We didn't find that. Um, So that uh, was, that hypothesis was rejected, but we did find some other, you know, just sort of weird or, you know, relationships of note. For example, um, data gathering for CFPs usually took a little less time. We don't necessarily know why. We can certainly speculate, but CFPs compared to non-CFPs, CFPs CFPs spent less time doing data gathering. Um, uh, The silo, and ensembles, you know, when we compare them to solos, they spent less time um, doing data gathering. So maybe these individuals have more structure in place. Uh, Maybe the solo is the one doing all the work and so they reported their hours, you know, differently than individuals that work in silos versus ensembles. Um, Perhaps what what I think and I actually think that Derek and, and Michael and Kate and Alan uh, my co uh, authors would also think that a lot we did, um, we looked at a lot of uh, psychological traits, the big five uh, personality traits in this study as well. Mm-hmm. And conscientiousness, agreeableness, and neuroticism, those were all related to spending more time data gathering. And if you think about that, you know, conscientious people, um, agreeable people, neurotic people. Mm -hmm. um are perhaps you know more nervous or perhaps just more concise or precise or you know feel like there's always the need for more information and so personality wise they're spending more time data gathering um when it comes to you know analysis and evaluation um Tech-wise, you know, kind of the basis of the study, the only significant association that we found, you know, all else being equal, was that those advisors that reported using a specialized tool and those uh, who reported using spreadsheets um, were spending more time uh, in the analysis step, which you know, sort of makes sense, you know, versus those that are using, well, a specialized tool, but a, just a generalized planning software. Um, and so, you know, advisor or, and so to some of the demographics, the female advisors were spending more time than the males for analysis and evaluation, um, when probably most interesting and and what we'll talk or what I'd like to talk about, I guess, in the conclusions of this study, um, was, uh, when we looked at a 1% increase, uh, in the logged number of clients, and we can talk about why we did that, um, there was a decrease in reported time spent in the analysis step, and so we logged the number of clients to deal with the fact that um, our data was very skewed. So our range was one to three thousand. Somebody reported, or you know, an individual reported having three thousand clients, but the mean was only one hundred and twenty-nine. And so we logged number of clients to deal with this sort of skewed um, issue. It's a, a common practice, but just kind of helps to make everything a little bit more even Mm -hmm. um, and make the analysis make a little bit more sense um, instead of having these, you know, crazy skews. Um, And so that was sort of interesting, but, but at the same time, it makes sense. You know, if you have more clients, maybe you have less time, you know, to be spending on analysis and evaluation Um, similar to the, before we found that conscientious advisors spend a lot more time, Uh, in the analysis and evaluation. Uh, Ensemble advisors, people working in an ensemble firm, which is a a large firm, you know, lots of advisors, lots of support staff, they're spending more time when compared to a solo, you know, but if you're a solo and you're trying to make stuff work, um, maybe you don't have, you know, as much time. Um, Well, uh, so sort of...
0: Did your study take a look at those ensembles and, and f- have a way of asking the question, is it maybe communication between team members? It's the the time to look up the data in the CRM or to get the notes from the other planner who put, did the data entry before you start working on the analysis? Or was there any, any granularity like that?
1: We did ask, you know, who is working on um, all these different pieces and looked at those numbers in in different ways, but the data was getting so small, you know, slicing into things like that that um, I'm not 100% sure like what that would really tell us with just such small slices. Sure. Um, but it was something that we were we were very much aware of, you know, that on an ensemble team, it may be you know 10 different people have their hands in this in this plan, whereas if you're a solo, it's maybe just you. And so, you know, that's gonna look um, a lot different. Maybe a whole department, you know, is taking care of this particular aspect of the analysis. Whereas again, if it's a solo, it's just you. Um, for the recommendation, um, I, uh, in, in terms of the, the recommendation development, sort of, you know, women were spending more time than men again. Um, people with more clients were spending less time again um conscientious advisors and neurotic advisors for spending more time um which by the way neurotic advisors or neuroticism i should probably say mm-hmm. like ner- advisors do not tend to be neurotic mm-hmm. which probably makes sense i mean if i was a client sitting across from somebody who's more nervous than me it's probably mm-hmm. not going to help my nervousness sure um, so take, you know, take that for what it's worth. But I mean, it also makes sense that if you're a particular nervous person, or you have nervous tendencies, that you would be, you know, really worried about getting that right. Sure. Um, And then uh, presenting the data, you know, was also kind of uh, interesting. Uh, We found it technology wise, that, you know, in those meetings where TVs or projectors were used, more time, you know, was being spent on presenting the data. And, and I would imagine, you know, that if you're, presenting with the projector or you know with the TV, that there is some interaction, a lot more interaction, a lot more discussion perhaps between you and the client. Mm-hmm. Um, and so perhaps why that was, you know, increasing the the presenting of the data. Um, ensembles or sorry, op- well ensemble firms, you know, did spend more time again than solos. Um, and the particular psychological thing that was, or the personality thing that mattered, um, in presenting was openness, Mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, you know, so again, it kind of speaks to that idea that in the client advisor meeting, you know, if I'm working with a more open advisor, you know, maybe there really is more dialogue going on. Um, just because that's sort of the natural, the natural way that that would go. Sure. Um, so, you know, not to bore everybody to just like keep going, but, you know, generally if, if we look back over our hypotheses, you know, sort of across the board, um, technology really oftentimes led to more time, um, spent in each area, except for, um, when we're talking about presentations, um, there, there wasn't much of a relationship, um, outside of the outside of the those that use the tv and projector you know did some did tend to spend more time and so um what we sort of took away or you know the implications you know what did we learn you know from doing this um is that when we think about or what you know i've thought about since then um, is that technology isn't really helping us serve more clients um or even serve them faster. Um, and, and to the point about more clients, um, there's been some research by it's an older research um, by Dunbar, uh, Robin Dunbar, he's a British uh, anthropologist. And he was kind of like, you know, people can't really handle, you know, generally more than, you know, 150 relationships. Um, it's the his magic number was like around 129. Um, And going back to the idea of military, that this was even like Roman armies, you know, would set up in relation to um, Dunbar's number, because you just can't, our brains physically kind of cannot keep track of more than like about 150 people or 150 relationships. And so, and so then the fact that our finding was that, you know, the average firm has about 129 clients, and it really wasn't you know, technology wasn't helping anybody to serve dramatically more, we didn't find that relationship. Um, When we're thinking about efficiency, I don't know that the answer is necessarily you can serve more clients, you know, get this technology and you can serve more clients. I think maybe the question is, you know, let's find 100 clients that we like, serve them really well and, you know, go home at night and enjoy your life. Um, I think that that life work balance, you know, should maybe be what we're chasing to a level of, you know, efficiency. Um, We also found things that point to the fact that technology um, only really helps advisors go deeper. You know, the fact that so many advisors are conscientious, um, which is a wonderful trait, you know, instead of taking 10 minutes, you know, to do something, they're taking two hours, because they're kind of like, what else? Well, what else? Well, what else? And so at some point, you know, there is this idea of, okay, well, what asking what else maybe seven times is good. But if we do it eight times, you know, we now we've reached a point of diminishing returns. And so, you know, where do we draw that line? You know, we didn't, we don't know, um, from the study that we have, But again, I I think that's important in terms of the work that financial planners do and perhaps the pressure that uh, individual uh, advisors, you know, going out to have their own practice or even working within a practice, you know, just kind of realizing the finite ability, you know, of what we can do emotionally, you know, even though we have these computers that can compute you know, all these things, or, you know, this financial planning software that can do all these calculations, you know, so super fast. Um, That doesn't mean that you're going to comfortably serve, you know, any more than probably about 130 clients. And so to think that bringing on technology is going to help you to get to 250 comfortably, um, that's, that's just not the reality. So there's,
0: there's a whole bunch to unpack there. I mean, there, there, there's an enormous amount of takeaways. I'm just sitting here thinking about all the different things that come out of that. So I mean, you know, the, the idea that planning technology helps us go deeper. Um, I think we could into it somewhat, right? I mean, it would take me, I don't know, weeks to do one Monte Carlo analysis by hand, uh, if I was going to try. I don't even know if, if, if that's possible. You could probably do it in a week, Daniel. I don't know. That would be a hellish week for, for, I think most of us. Uh, But I mean, the idea that you can, you know, you can run that through in 15 seconds off of planning software or uh, change, you know, change one variable and have it affect, you know, 20 different outcomes in different areas. I mean, that, that sort of stuff obviously is efficient, but I, but the finding that it's not saving us time, I think is really key Um, because we're, you know, we're, we're sort of seeing the, the growth of, um, of course, sort of mass planning, right? We're we're seeing firms adopt uh, either no fee, low fee, supported planning, uh, self-directed planning, um, and uh, and in some cases at price points where I, I don't I don't understand the economics or the you know the the amount of time you could possibly work on a plan for a client is so constricted by the sheer economy of scale you'd have to to obtain. So do you think, you know, that we're going to see planning technology maybe to begin to develop in a direction where it, it, it is actually more efficient, where it's, it's somewhat more direct and to the point? Um, or do you think we're going to see more of a divergence between maybe, um, call it uh, a, a very high-end financial planning software program style between smaller practices and sort of a more industrial mass production version of planning in, in other cases. I, I guess the question here being, where, where do you see us going with this, these sorts of findings?
1: Well, we certainly hope, I mean, I, I don't wanna speak for you know, all of my co-authors, but you know, we doing research on what technology actually does and letting the technology companies know you know, that is a big step in the right direction. And, you know, whether whether it becomes, whether the software evolves, you know, to actually help people be more efficient, or if the technology becomes more, um, you know, narrow in focus so that, you know, you have a special tool for just about everything, you know, a special tool for a state, a special tool for social security, a special tool for retirement projections. And that maybe that is, is better in some way because it would help us monitor our time um and do you know fancy things for when that's appropriate um, but it also i would challenge you know for the average financial advisor just for the everyday financial advisor to actually i mean it, it will take time it's never easy to do something like this but to clock your time You know be aware of how long it takes you to do a financial plan um you know and then and how long it takes other people you know perhaps in your firm to do a financial plan and if you adjust that time you know up or down um you know knowing full well that the plan is is just one of many it is an iteration um if we're truly doing financial planning and so, you know, when is enough enough for the plan to be appropriate? You know, knowing that we're going to review it again next year, and that very likely within two years it's going to need an adjustment, um, then you know we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is it? It is our probably natural propensity, you know, given the high correlation of um, conscientiousness and people working in financial planning, that again, you're your natural inclination is going to be driven to go deeper to spend lots of time to look at it you know seven ways to sunday and i'm not saying that that's not great you know i'm sure that there's lots of great financial planning going on um but if you're burning yourself out you know for the sake of burning yourself out arguably that's not you know that doesn't help anybody that doesn't help the firm that doesn't help you that doesn't really help the client um you know, and spending all this time on like one single perfect plan, you know, do then we neglect, you know, wanting to do a plan again in the future, you know, because we just spent all this time doing this other one. Uh, we don't want to be too attached to it, I guess. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think it could mean a lot of things for um, for technology. I mean, certainly we need it, um, but it's, uh, you know, like Steve Jobs, he was always like, you know, you don't know what you need um, if you've never used that thing before, you know, if we, you know, before we all had iPhones and our smartphones, you know, we didn't know that we needed this thing and how much, how well it could make our lives, maybe not so well sometimes. Sure, and so sure. even thinking of, you know, what hasn't been built, you know, that would be interesting and, you know, would really actually help people. Sure. And it's probably a different, a different technology or a different you know, set of technology pieces um, depending on the type of planning that you're doing or really the type of families or individuals that you're working with um, and the complexity of their financial needs. Sure.
0: So, I mean, you, you've already talked about a couple of takeaways, right? You know, timing, timing, how long it actually takes you to develop plans, um, you know, not letting perfect be the enemy of good uh, when it comes to sort of developing them, uh, being aware you know, of of maybe some of your own big five traits and and thinking, you know, is this, is this anxiety on my part driving me to spend more time on this or is it, is it really fine? Um, You know, what, what uh, beyond or above those, are there any other lessons or or, uh, applicable things you think planners really should be thinking about or, or learning from this research and applying to their own practice to either improve it for clients or, or maybe cut back on sort of the wasted time?
1: Um, I think that we should, I mean, certainly we, well, for those that can, you know, that are not, you know, that are maybe they're in a solo and thinking about bringing someone on or even those, you know, currently working in um, silos or ensembles, uh, although silos don't necessarily work uh, in a team, but also thinking about who else is on your team, you know, it can be very difficult knowing that you're conscientious or knowing that you're you know kind of a nervous person to actually pull yourself back you know you can measure how long it takes you to do a financial plan but if you think all financial plans take 25 hours then that's just what you're going to think and so Mm -hmm. it's probably important to build people into your team that have different skill sets or complementary skill sets that may help you to look at how long something takes in a different way or in a different light Um, so help, you know, helping, helping yourself to find someone to check, you know, what it is that you're doing and, you know, truly spending time efficiently. Um, I also think in to, to a point that I've made, but maybe didn't uh, stress that, um, and I might just be particularly sensitive to, to this given, you know, what all has happened in 2020, but, um. You know, if you have 50 clients that you like, if you have 75 clients that you like, if you have hundred clients that you like, that's pretty good, you know, and, and you may never really grow much more than that as an individual, you know, if you want 500 clients, well, then there probably needs to be a couple of advisors, um, working there, you know, for you to serve those 500 individuals well. Um, and for you you know to have a normal 40 hour work week um, and have you know a high quality of life um, I very much believe you know that financial planners need to take care of themselves in order to do good work for others. Um, and so I think that that is important. And then you know if if we were to have you know um, or if we were to recognize that okay if I do scale back maybe some of my deep dives or if I choose to just Deep dive on these particular things that you know really need that sort of critical, uh, slower, maybe multiple iterations, multiple angles to look at the problem, uh, and pull back in some of the other areas where maybe things are more just straightforward. Um, then you know what do we do with that time? Um, you know, and that can be the deeper conversations or better conversations with our clients. Um, I think that that is an important consideration. Um, and I would uh yeah i I think those probably those things you know think about a team and how to support yourself, think about you know what it really means that it's it's no surprise necessarily that in all the you know we had a, a, over a thousand advisors you know that took part in this survey, you know so no small number, and you know granted they were predominantly male they uh, predominantly cFP holders predominantly um RIAs, you know, and so they're not a, a true reflection of the world um, of financial planning or all the different ways people can work as a financial planner. Um, but I think it does, you know, say something about, you know, this, this is our stake in the ground and sort of, you know, how do we want to move forward from here? What other ways can we sort of investigate you know, how financial planners are actually doing um, financial planning. And are they gaining efficiencies? Are they not? How are they potentially using those efficiencies? And, you know, you could argue that the technology is efficient. and, And like what you said that, you know, you could spend two weeks, you know, doing a Monte Carlo analysis by hand that, you know, doesn't sound great. Um, and the fact that we can do it, you know, so quickly now and be in client meetings and adjusting on the fly um, and running, you know, and having the calculations appear or having the analysis appear, you know, it's pretty powerful. And so making sure then that we use that power, you know, in a way that serves us, you know, but also uh, serves the clients.
0: Sure. So where do you think this research goes? What is, what does version 2.0 look like or what, what projects sort of come from this?
1: Uh, so we, we actually just, ooh, let's see, maybe like just a couple of months ago, uh, released, um, our 2020 version. So we did the data that's in the paper that we're talking about right now is from 2018. And we do that survey, um, every other year. And so we just released a white paper on the Kitsis website that looks at it. Strikingly, the, the thing I would say go look at it, it's so different, but really that's the thing that's so striking is that the data was like exactly the same. Um, people, you know, two years have gone by, we're in a pandemic. Um, it was actually kind of just going on um, as we were finishing up this paper. And the, our survey, everybody was kind of answering in the same way. I mean, there was no dramatic. Changes whatsoever from two years to a year. Um, So I think that that is kind of interesting, just how stable perhaps financial planning is or was or continues to be. Um, And we also, one thing that we talk a lot about at Kitsis is um, you know, it's one thing to do a bunch of cross sectional research, which is what this is. You know, we're comparing this group to this group, but we can't compare the same person over time. And so we want to be able to do that. You know, we want to be able to, you know, uh, have that RIA who's in his or he or she is in his first couple of years of practice, and you know, how do they answer the survey? And then we resurvey them again in three years, and we compare themselves to themselves, um, and sort of looking at then longitudinal data. Um, you know, wouldn't that be interesting to look at somebody in their first five years compared to their the next 15 years. Um, so I'll say as a
0: student and a practitioner, yes, it would be interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would be super cool. Um, so that is one of the things that we are working on, you know, how, how we want to design um, that sort of data collection. Um, and so I guess as a call out, if I'm allowed to do that, I'm going to do it. You can cut sure. it out if you don't want to. Um, but you know go if you know that or if you hear that kids is doing a uh a survey uh participate you know participate it is so important for us to hear from everybody you know individually um even even for cross-sectional data you know we still want to we still want to know actually we just finished a survey um unrelated to this research but it was a survey that we did on financial planning or financial planners and their well-being you know how are they doing Do they like their jobs? Um, Looking at all kinds of different aspects, looking at different psychological things, um, looking at different personality things, and it's. I'm sorry, Daniel.
0: Nope.
1: I have a Mac, and it like shoots through to my phone or shoots through to my computer. Um, And so, yeah, just different types of different types of collecting different types of data so that we can look at these types of questions in real time or in in overtime, really. Um, You know, what does it look like? How much time is an advisor spending on their technology and how they're using their technology in the first year compared to after they get used to it? Or, you know, what combination perhaps of different technology pieces over time, you know, lead to greater or less uh, efficiencies within the practice itself? Um, It would be really nice, you know, to be able to answer um, some of those questions, um, but that takes time. Sure.
0: Well, uh, Dr. Luritz, I want to say thank you for uh, being on the program with us today and sharing some of the, the great lessons from your research. And I know I'm personally looking forward to a lot more of it to come.
1: Thank you. Thank you.